It's time to go beyond the headlines Cause I don't put in overtime just so I can headline Okay, now it's Fox Sports, I'm live with Renee Going hard every day, sports rapping every play Different segments for your favorites Coming at you daily with positive vibes Yeah, we some game changers Basketball, football, soccer With different interviews, you never know who may pop up Listen, <laughs> only on Beyond the Headlines This is Beyond the Headlines <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines, this is Beyond the Headlines. Only on Beyond the Headlines, this is Beyond the Headlines. We're Renee Washington. Welcome, everybody. It's been a little while since we had a live show, and I apologize for that. Things have been so hectic with my new job around the Washington football team. So I am excited to have the first live episode of the month of September be with a talented pioneer trailblazer a woman that is doing great things in sports and i know i've been one that's actively preaching about women in sports so we've got the first ever arab american female driver that has competed in nascar she is a professional stock car racer and she is joining us from california so we've got the sports wrap coming your way as we get to hear her career her experiences and her journey to being a professional driver What's up? It's Microphone Rocky, and here's our host, Renee Washington, with our sports wrap covering news, updates, and everything else you need to know around the league. And she's here, Tony. Tony Tone. I am so happy to have you here. And the great thing about this is the last episode we had, we had another Tony on the show. We have you on. Tony Bridinger joining us from California. Welcome. I'm happy to have you here. Awesome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And that's crazy that you had another Tony. I feel like that's not a super common name. So that's awesome. Yes, it was it was definitely it's definitely a coincidence. But um, I'm having a pioneering Tony on now that's trailblazing doing things in another industry. And that's in <laughs> racing. We have um, a gr you have a great story. And I first just want to start off why racing? I was reading about how your dad got you and your twin sister, Annie, started in racing at the age of nine years old. And now, fast forward, here you are, professional stock car racing. Uh, but I want to get into why or how you even figured out this is the sport for me. This is what I want to continue to pursue and do. Yeah, so before I tried racing, I was nine years old. I tried a bunch of different sports. I tried soccer, karate, gymnastics even did some piano. I felt like I pretty much tried everything. Um, and go-karting really wasn't an activity that my parents threw at, threw at me in a way to try to pursue it. It was supposed to be like a one-off thing. Like, oh, let's just go go-karting for the weekend. Um, so it was supposed to be a one-off thing. And I just loved it. I told my dad right after, I was like, wait, like I want to do this every single day. And then, you know, that's when he looked into, um, you know, getting me and my twin sister go-kart. And then we just started racing. But um, there's so many things I love about racing, but I think the one thing that got me hooked when I was a kid was, you know, when you're a kid, you're in school and you have your parents telling you what to do. You never have like a sense of independence. You're always like being told what to do. And on the go-kart track, it's just me behind the wheel. Nobody could tell me what to do. I'm the one in control. So I feel like that sense of independence and freedom is what kind of got me kind of hooked on the sport at first. And then obviously, you know, like the adrenaline, the competition, and there's so many other aspects to it that I love now. Uh, but I think that first sense of freedom is kind of what got me hooked at first. And I, I honestly also just feel like as you're talking about that independence, that freedom, but like being a kid and driving, like I used to love going go-karting. 
it was just so exciting to just be like able to drive and like you watch your parents do it as a kid and now mm -hmm. you're the one behind the wheel um but even as you mentioned like you're starting to progress and in getting into competing and having that independence and finding something as you're trying to figure out which sport is yours that sticks you know and i i, I love the fact you said you tried every sport i was the same way you think back to like getting into everything and realizing like, this is probably not for me, but this I love and this is what I enjoy doing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you know, trying everything is kind of important to find that one thing that you really love. Even if all the other 100 things don't work out, then you just kind of know when you find that one thing. So I think that was a good thing that my parents had me do was just try literally everything. Yeah, and just figuring out what sticks and what works best for you, what you're excited about, what makes you jump out of bed in the morning. Um, and I, I definitely have to ask, you know, your experiences, I, you've had a number of successes in in racing. You know, I looked at the the fact that you are the first in, in a lot of ways and a lot of things, but I'm going to start off with being the first Arab-American woman to compete in an a NASCAR national series, which is tremendous. Congratulations on that. Um, did you even realize you were the first? I, I got to... I want to go back to that. Take us through that moment and that experience of being the first. Yeah, so it was really crazy because I really didn't realize I was the first until it was brought to my attention literally right before um, the Daytona race. And I was honestly really surprised. You know, NASCAR has been around for a long time. So for me to be the first, I was honestly disappointed that nobody had the opportunity to come up before me. Um, so definitely was pretty surprised, a little bit disappointed. But, you know, that made me inspired to continue to pave the way and help get other um, Arab girls up through the ranks of NASCAR. Um, so for me, I definitely wasn't expecting it. And just going into Daytona, I kind of knew that I was the first, like right before the race and everything like that. And I just, you know, wanted to do well for myself, obviously my team, but also for all those other little girls out there. Cause I feel like the better that I do, the more I can help pave the way for them. Yeah, and that, that is incredible in itself as you're sharing about being the first, not even realizing you're the first. You know, you're you're just competing just because of your love for the sport and love for, for racing. You're not even thinking of doing it in the sense of being a pioneer. Yet now you step into this role where you do have other girls and other Arab American girls and boys, I'm sure, kind of like, hey, representation matters. I see her doing this. I can do that too. I want to be like Tony when I get older. I want to be like Tony Bridinger when I get older. So even being a pioneer, I'm curious to know kind of how that has helped you kind of stay motivated and, and keep wanting to not only drive for yourself, but knowing that it is bigger than you. And there are so many in that next generation that are looking at you aspiring to be like you. Yeah, representation is so big. And I never realized the importance of it really until these past couple of years, and especially this year, just receiving messages um, from so many younger Arab girls. And, you know, they were reaching out saying that the fact that I'm even just out there racing is inspiring for mm -hmm. them, even if they don't even want to pursue motorsports, just anything that's out of the norm that was just inspiring for them. And that was kind of crazy for me at first because I've been racing for 12 years. To me, I'm just doing my thing racing. Like I never imagined that I'd be inspiring anybody. Um, so for me, it's like, you know, they're reaching out saying I inspire them, but to get those messages is so inspiring. And when I'm out there on the track, I'm not just doing it for me. Um, and, you know, a big part of what I want to do is help pave the way and open those doors for other people. You know, I want to walk so they can all run. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yes. But that's exactly what it is. Like you're not even realizing how much you're, you're paving the way for others, but you're inspiring them. And look, representation, whether it's as a female, um, as a minority, whatever it may be, is so important because 
it just gives, as you're mentioning, it gives other Arab girls a chance to say, hey, there's someone that's doing that and I can do that too. I can pursue that mm -hmm. too. Um, so even for you, you know, as a pioneer, how have you kind of invited it these last years? I do feel like women in sports, women in general, um, diversity, especially as us as double minorities, I always tell people I'm a double minority. Um, you know, we do have to carry ourselves differently. You know, what is what do you feel like has changed since you've realized how as a pioneer you do have others reaching out and looking up to you in one way or the other? Yeah, you know, I think my response to people that are, you know, sexist or racist has changed. And I feel like, you know, before I would just brush it off, but there's part of me that feels like, you know, if I just brush it off, then, you know, other people could get the impression that that's okay to be treated that way and looked at differently. I'm like, it's not like everybody should be equal. So um, I think for me, just my response and how I carry myself and respond to certain situations has changed. Um, just because I think it's so important to get the message out there. Um, and representation is so important. I feel like the more diversity we get in the sport and just in everything in general, um, the better it's going to be because seeing is believing. That's the biggest thing. Um, so yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've changed is just how I carry myself and how I respond to people and, um, you know, how I get my message out there. Social media has been amazing for that. Um, so yeah, it's kind of what I've been doing a little bit differently. Yeah. Social media is definitely such a major tool. You know, mm -hmm. when we think about, even from when we were growing up to now, it's changed so much. Like every year I feel like social media is constantly evolving and I'm like, holy crap, there's always something new to keep up with. Like it's, it's. MySpace, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, like now, you know, there's just so many new ways that we can connect. So it is great, as you're even mentioning, to have the ability to connect with people in a very unique way of like getting that behind the scenes look at who you are as a person too, more than just a driver as a person. So I'm sure that has been a big asset with having a big following and having the ability to now like show people a little bit behind the scenes of who is Tony? So who is Tony for those that are tuning in? What is it about you aside from just driving that, you know, if you wanted to um, like summarize yourself in, in a few words and whatever it may be, a few sentences that you try to embody as not only just a racer and, and an athlete, but also just as a person. Yeah, you know, I live and breathe racing. So I feel like my life <laughs> revolves around it at all times. Um, I had a friend come out to North Carolina where I'm based out of. And they're like, what do you do for fun? I'm like, I go to the go-kart track. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, I literally just go to the go-kart track. Um, I have a simulator at my place. I'll go on that. So I feel like everything I do is just, you know, revolves around racing. But um, for me, like on my off time, I feel like I'm a very just chill person. I love to just go grab a bite to eat and kind of, you know, when I have my off time is to kind of hang out with friends and chill out a bit. I feel like I'm always on the go, always doing something. Um, so for me, just to have that downtime of relaxing um, is really important. But it's so hard to take up other hobbies. I feel like all my focus is in racing. Um, but mm -hmm. I have an off season coming up. So I feel like, you know, starting a little hobby or a little activity, something new would be really cool to do. Um, but yeah, I feel like I don't do anything too crazy on my off time. It's all just racing, racing, racing. Yeah, I feel yeah, that. I feel I'm always like, what else is there to do? <laughs> like, everyone's like, what are you doing your free time? I'm like, I don't know. If you have any hobby suggestions, let me know. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what free time is. Um, but, you know, something that I definitely wanted to, to ask you about is I, I was looking into the fact that you were 
you know, not only the first Arab American woman to compete in a NASCAR national series, but also your major accomplishment of being the all time winningest female in the United States auto club history with 19 wins at the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely curious to know about as you know, you look back from where you were at nine years old, just mm -hmm. getting started with Annie and, and your dad and you're just go kart racing to now having these accomplishments and honors of being the first with so many things and all time mm -hmm. winningest. You know, talk to us about that experience and, and even just um, being able to achieve that that honor. Yeah, the accomplishments of being the first are always never planned for. You know, when I go out there and, you know, ever since I was a kid, my one goal is to go win the race. Um, so I don't really have, you know, those firsts and those records and all that kind of stuff in mind. Um, so those always kind of catch me off guard. They're amazing. They're awesome. But it's never something that I set out to do. Um, but, yeah, you know. Just what I've accomplished is amazing, but also I feel like I haven't accomplished anything at the same time. There's so much more that I want to do, so it's kind of hard to talk about, you know, my accomplishments and, like, you know, everything I've done because I'm like, what did I do? I feel like I can do so much more, and there's so much more that I want to do. Um, so, yeah, I feel like nine-year-old me would be proud of myself. But I'd be like, keep going, girl. You have a long way to go. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're still young in your career. You do still have a long way to go. But it is great to be able to kind of celebrate those small victories and take time to reflect back on where you have, you know, grown, how much you've grown and where you started compared to where you are now. And knowing that you have been the first, you have accomplishments, you have honors that you can now like tip your hat to. But knowing again, like you said, keep going. I'm not yeah. done yet. There's more to do. Good job. But let's keep going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I'm sure there's been a, a number of times uh, that you've been faced with adversity and, and challenges. And I think that's one of the biggest things I always like to have conversations around because it's so easy from the outside looking in to see your success, your social media following, you know, all the all the surface level things and think like it's been all fine and dandy since you started racing at nine years old. Everything's just been easy, easy peasy and lemon squeezy. But no, that's not the case. That's not reality. So I'm curious to know. You know, what's what have been some of the biggest hurdles for you that you faced in your career already? Yeah, I feel like especially with social media, everything always just looks amazing. Like everything's going perfectly. But, you know, to be honest, it's always an uphill battle. There's never a point where I feel like, you know, I just got over like big hurdle and everything's good now. It's always kind of like little hurdles and just an uphill battle. Um, but that's also kind of why I like it, you know, the challenge. But yeah, I feel, you know, being a minority in the sport, people do look at you differently. And I know some people hate to hear it and they're like, no, but I'm like the people that hate to hear it and kind of refuse that that's, you know, what's going on are the people, you know, that aren't affected by it. So I do feel like it's, you know, a topic and, um, you know, it is hard to be looked at differently in the sport. But for me, the biggest thing is surround yourself with people that don't see you as any different, you know, surround yourself with people that believe in you and believe in your goals. Because if you're surrounding yourself with people that, you know, look at you and like try to label you and everything like that, they're not going to have that same goal in mind for you. And they're going to kind of look at you in a lesser version. Um, and I know people hate to hear that, but it is true. So for me, the biggest thing is you know, getting over those hurdles of surrounding myself and with a team that believes in me and doesn't look at me, you know, as a minority or a female. Um, so for me, that's the biggest thing is just surround yourself with positive people um, that see you as an equal. And that's kind of um, the biggest thing because you can try to change people's minds, but people are stubborn. So I think, you know, just focusing on your goals and your circle is what's going to get you um, past those hurdles. Mm -hmm. And I, I just feel like as you're saying it, like I, I feel that personally of like, you have, you want to get to the point where people no longer just see you as 
a woman in sports. Like for me, I'm like, I don't want to just be seen as a black woman in sports or, or any, you know, any label. I want to be seen for my talent, for what I bring to the table, for what I could, you know, the, the asset that I am, like you do want to get to that point. And it's not, it's not taking away from who you are. It's understanding that you're more than just who you are. You know, you're more than just what you look like and, and on the surface level, what people see. So I love that piece about just surrounding yourself with people that, Yes, we understand your background, but we also mm -hmm. understand, you know, who you are as as a driver, as a person, as, as a talent, as an athlete, as a leader, as a pioneer. We see mm -hmm. you as so much more than just uh, being, you know, a, a double minority in that sense. So mm -hmm. I love that little bit of advice that you just shared there. And it, it seems like you've got a lot of wisdom. I'm getting I'm getting that vibe. <laughs> I like to definitely so. picking up on that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, to be able to compete at a high level, there has to be a level of not only confidence, but also just humble. Being humble and knowing like who you are and, and what you represent and you know where you're going. So as we look ahead, um, and, and just in general, what is some of that advice that you'd share to whether it's someone that's just getting started in racing specifically or sports as a whole? that you would share that you feel like is kind of the biggest thing you've learned through your career so far? Yeah, um, I feel like I've learned so much um, through this crazy journey. Um, but I would say, you know, for people that feel like they're doing something that's kind of like technically out of the norm or they don't really feel like, you know, this is something that people typically do, um, just don't be afraid to be the first you. That's my biggest piece of, piece of advice. And I feel like that could go for anything, whether you're trying to get into racing or whatever it may be. Um, don't feel like you have to be like anybody else. Just be the first you and be proud of that and don't be afraid to be that. Um, so I say that's my biggest piece of, piece of advice. And once I realized that, I feel like I was able to be so much more confident and just, you know, mm -hmm. when positive and you can just achieve so much more. Um, so yeah, be the first you and don't be apologetic of it. I love that. I like that a lot because I do think so many times um, in society in general, we get caught up with trying to be somebody else and trying to be like a carbon copy of what we think we're supposed to do and where we think we're, you know, how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to dress, who we are trying to follow instead of just understanding that as you're mentioning and you're, I'm sure through your own experience, find what you like, find what makes you happy and pursue that, you know, and whatever that looks like, pursue that to the best of your ability. So that's a great advice of just like be yourself. You know, don't get caught up in everything else that's going on around us, the societal expectations, the social media, um, you know, whatever it may be, what family and friends may put on us. Um, but just to be yourself. I like that. I like that. So, you know, for you, as, as you have been saying, you're not done yet. There's a lot to still be done. You know, you're, you're still very young. You still are early on in your career. So I'm definitely curious to know what is next for you? You know, what is, what is the plan? What are you working on right now? What's, what is next for you in your career? Yeah. So the racing, racing season for us basically goes from February when Daytona starts until like early November. Um, so right now we're kind of going towards the end of our racing season. I have a couple big races left this year, um, but like a lot of my focus is going towards next year and, you know, what I want to achieve next year, what my goals are for next year. Um, obviously, I'm still focused on these races that I have coming up this year. Um, but yeah, there's so much that I want to achieve, you know, next year for me, it'd be to run, you know, racing full time um, and do an entire season. This year I did a partial season due to lack of funding. Um, so for me, it's to do a full season and, you know, get consistent top fives and get some wins and really just um, get good finishes overall. And um, I feel like this year for me is a very big learning year. All these tracks, it's like my first time going to these tracks. I'm kind of the rookie right now. So for me next year, 
I feel like, okay, like, you know, I did my first round. Now it's time to like really get after it, get those wins. Um, I'm not a rookie anymore. So for me, this year is kind of about learning, but next year it's like, okay, it's go time. Let's go. Let's get these wins. Right, right. You're like sitting back, taking it all in. <laughs> and then you're just like, yeah. all right, I'm, once I get this, we'll be good to go. <laughs> um, you know, but for those that are watching, not, you know, not everybody has a racing background. I'm no expert, but I at least spent several, several hours, days, months, um, I won't say years because I didn't go that long, but um, a long time actually hosting a racing show where I was out at the track alongside talented drivers like yourself. Um, but talk about that experience of where you where it goes from as a kid racing to how it progresses to compete in different events. Um, just take us through kind of like your your journey and, and just the process of getting to where you are today so we can educate some people. Yeah, it's been a long crazy 12 year process um so basically when i was nine is when i got my first go-kart um and from there you know i did a lot of local races so basically the track that was closest to us would hold you know local races um for people that kind of lived around the area to just go compete over the weekends um so we started there and then i started traveling all over the country to go to these races and i started going to national events and it's crazy because you think go-karts like oh it sounds really like chill it doesn't really sound like a very common thing but so many people would show up to these races you'd have hundreds and hundreds of kids and drivers at these events and it was very competitive and intense um i always felt like i was racing the daytona 500 every weekend which is only a go-kart race um so i did that for about six years and then when i was 15 is when i got in my first race car um and that's also when i got on my first oval track because before that i was doing road courses um, so then I kind of transitioned over to, you know, just turning left, which was a whole new thing that I had to learn. Um, and what I was racing was called a Ford Focus Midget. They had um, Ford Focus engines in them. And basically they were open wheel cars. And I loved them, but I would also see the stock cars on the track. And I was like, wait, that's what I want to do. And when I saw my first stock car, that's when I put in the research. To, okay, what is the NASCAR ladder system? And basically it goes the top levels of the Cup Series. Right under that is the Xfinity Series. And under that is the Truck Series. And right under that is the Arca Series, which is what I'm currently in right now. Um, so those are NASCAR's touring series. And then, you know, they have the grassroots levels racing series at home tracks, which is what I was doing the past couple of years. Um, so NASCAR has different levels and you don't have to follow it, but it's kind of good to get that experience at each level to move up. Um, so that's kind of what I'm working on right now. I'm in the NASCAR ladder system and I have an ideal plan of, you know, how fast I want to move up through the ladder system, but also, you know, I want to take it one step at a time and I'm just kind of go with the flow, not really set myself to, you know, I set myself to certain goals, but not to certain time limits on them. So mm, that's yeah, I like that, too, because I feel like if you get caught up in the timeline and, and scheduling mm -hmm. of like, by this time, I want to be doing this, then if it does not happen or or you just put that extra pressure on yourself versus just achieving goals. So as you yeah. mentioned, it's been a 12 year process mm -hmm. of working to where you are today. And I definitely think back to being on the track, whether it was drag racing and anything in motorsports, drag racing, stock cars. Um, all the different types of events that you have and just the the community feel was something that jumped out at me. Like, as you mentioned, like everything feels like you're in Daytona. Like it, it just is an incredible atmosphere of people with their trailers and the whole family's there and they, they're rocking shirts and they've got the grill going and they're, it just is a really fun experience being at a race and just hearing even like the loud sounds, like when I'm driving down the street now and I hear like the loud engine, I'm like, it like triggers this event, <laughs> this memory back to being on the racetrack. 
yeah. you know? So I'm, I'm interested in know, even like the community side of racing that a lot of people don't know unless you're there. It's one thing to see it on TV, but when you're there and it's just like a fun time, you're competing, you're with your family mm -hmm. and friends, you see a lot of regular people that you're, you see at every track. Um, but talk about the community vibe around this racing in general. Yeah, racing, it's a big community, but also a small community. I feel like everybody just <laughs> happens to know each other somehow, some way. Somebody has beef with this person from this race five years ago. Um, so it's this close-knit circle, and it's weird because, you know, obviously you're tight with your team, but you have, you know, other competitors and then other, you know, past teammates that you might not be on the same team with them anymore. So um, it's crazy because it's a sense of community, but as soon as you're on the racetrack, there's no friends. And my dad always used to talk growing up is, you're at the racetrack, you have no friends. Um, so, you know, we'll play games like when I was nine on and off the track. And then once you're on the track, it's go time. You don't have any friends. Um, so it's kind of like this weird relationship, I guess. You know, like your friends off the track, you can wreck each other on the track and you're good once you get off. It's like you're a different person kind of. So it's definitely um, a very close community, but, you know, people don't necessarily play nice once you're on the track. It's everyone's for themselves. Yeah, yes, that is so true. It's like your friends, we might be running around, laughing, talking, but as soon as we get buckled in and we're in, a, in the car, like it's go time, it's go time. So, you know, as you talk about even something as simple as now being on an oval track where you have to make left turns and being in a track where like you have to, it, it, it changes as you're progressing and, and getting older and learning different things. You know, what was what was the hardest adjustment for you throughout that? Like, what is one area that you felt like you struggled with the most as you were just growing over these last 12 years? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is um, just having that immediate confidence in yourself and in your ability. You know, when you're going to these new tracks, going to new cars, it can be kind of like intimidating at first. You don't know this car. You don't know this track. They're all a little bit different. I know all ovals look the same to some people. <laughs> I promise they're all different, all different driving techniques. Um, so it can be intimidating. And it's still something that I face with right now this year. You know, I'm going to these new tracks. I don't have experience. And um, for example, when I raced at Talladega, my first time ever on that track was taking the green flag for the race. I had no idea what to expect. I've never been on Talladega before. And we're just going full speed my first lap around. Um, so it was crazy, but you just have to have that confidence in your ability, even if you're kind of uncertain, honestly, fake it till you make it, just have that confidence and that grit to just go out there and do it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a challenge. You're kind of thrown to the wolf sometimes. And that is, it's funny you say like all ovals are not the same because it's mm -hmm. like all tracks are not the same. You know, no. there's depending on the weather, depending on mm -hmm. how many people have been racing. Like there's a lot of little factors. I could not get over how much of a difference it makes if there's like a little bit of slickness on the track. Like there's, yeah. there are so, <laughs> yeah, so many little things. Yeah, it's crazy. Like for qualifying, if there's a cloud in the sky, everyone's like, hey, let's go, let's go. There's a cloud. And it's like, that's one cloud that changes the track completely and you go faster. Um, so yeah, it's just crazy how little tiny things like the humidity in the air changes, you know, the jetting for the engine and just all this crazy stuff. Um, yeah, little factors just make a huge difference in racing. It's wild. It's wild. So I, as you we were talking through that, it actually got me thinking and I'm curious to know which track did you go to that was like, I need to come back as much mm -hmm. as possible. Like it was just an incredible experience. Um, I'm going to have to say Daytona, and I feel like when I raced at Daytona, I was so anxious, so nervous. That was my first time on a super speedway, um, first time that I was about to go drafting with all these other cars. It was the biggest race that I ever did, 
Um, and I was nervous. The whole entire day was just a complete blur for me. I wasn't processing anything. My mind was just getting to that green flag and finishing the race. That was all I was thinking about. Everything else that happened in between, I just it went over my head. Um, so for me, I definitely want to go back there and I'm excited to go back there next year. Um, just because I feel like I could kind of soak in the moment so much more. I mean, it's Daytona. I dreamed of racing there ever since I was a kid, but I feel like I was so like caught up in doing well and not, you know, causing the big wreck or something like that, that I didn't really enjoy the moment. Um, so that's one track that I'm really excited to go back to next year. Cause I think I'll be able to kind of soak it all in a little bit better. Yeah. I feel like when you first go, you have to like it's a lot. It's a it lot is. to take it. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to like take it all in as best you can while not being trying not to be nervous and being yeah. confident and being ready and preparing and then going and racing. Like so many things mentally that are going on. I can only imagine um, what that process is even like. Uh, but, you know, that probably is something that like, as you say, you know, next year will be easier and the year after that will be even easier than that. But how has COVID been a factor? I know racing was actually one of the first sports that we saw roll back around COVID. So talk to me how COVID has even changed your experience over the last, well now, over much over a year um, and working through COVID-19. Yeah, so COVID definitely changed a few things. The biggest thing is the fan interaction, um, which is definitely unfortunate, but I also think it's important to keep all of us safe. You know, we don't have that fan in interaction anymore with autograph sessions and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's unfortunate, but I'm excited, you know, once things get back to normal and get a little bit better with COVID that we can return to doing that. Um, and then the other thing that's changed a lot is the schedule. We used to have, you know, like a three day schedule. That was kind of like our race day was, you know, you practice on one day, you qualify one day, you race another day. And now it's all condensed into one day and it's kind of jam packed day. And I feel like, you know, we have less practice time, which for me, not knowing these tracks, that kind of hurts me a little bit, just having that limited practice. Um, so definitely it's changed, you know, our schedule and how we go about the race weekends. Um, but we're all getting through it and working through it and we're still able to go racing. So can't complain too much. Yeah, the autographs and fan interaction is definitely mm -hmm. such a big part of it. That makes the yeah. experience even, you know, more special of being able to now talk with fans and, and had those conversations. So that is tough. But as you mentioned, safety first, of course. But I, I would love to hear two parts. What is your day? Like, you have a race this day. What is your what is your schedule like? Come race day? Take okay. us through it. Um, I'll go over because it kind of changes depending on the race where you're flying, Absolutely. all that kind of stuff. So I'll kind of go over like my most recent race. Um, so basically, you know, I woke up at five in the morning, got ready. We have a flight in the morning at like seven o'clock. Um, actually like my most recent race, I had an allergic reaction to a bee sting, which I've never been stung by a bee before. So I went to the ER and still made it time for my flight, which was amazing. I was stressing. Um, so yeah, that oh all went a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. Um, I'm not yeah. back to that in. <laughs> Good okay. Lord. Um, so, you know. Don't typically go to the ER, but went to the ER <laughs> that morning and then caught the flight. Basically, once we land there, we land somewhat close to the track. Um, this one was kind of a little bit far out there. So we had a 45 minute drive, got to the track. And then once you get there, your car goes through tech. Um, so basically, all these cars go through tech to make sure nobody's cheating. They check a lot of different variables with the car and the body and everything like that. Um, so we'll go through tech. And then once everybody gets cleared through tech, you go out and practice. Um, we usually have about 45 minutes of practice. And once you're done with practice, you pretty much go straight into qualifying. And qualifying, you get one lap. So it better be the best lap of your life. You have one lap to show what you got. And that's going to be where you start the race. 
Um, so once you get done with qualifying, you have a little bit of a break and then you do driver intros, all that kind of stuff. And then pretty much get to racing and the races um, are usually like an hour and a half to two hours. Um, we do a few pit stops. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like the typical race day and you go home at night, um, which is nice. We've been um, <laughs> able to fly out like all it's all condensed into kind of one day. So you don't have to leave um, my home too much. So it's kind of nice. So I'll just get it in one day. But yeah, it's kind of a typical race day. It's very jam packed. Lots going on. Once the day starts, it's just go, go, go. Yeah, that is a very hectic day. So, of course, why not just add in an, an ER trip to make it oh, more yeah. hectic, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like a quick pit stop. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> but, you know, that is something, as you're saying, like, even just getting a routine, I'm sure there's a routine down there of, like, this, 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 you know, I, I have to eat this or I have to do this or whatever it may be. Um, do you have multiple? I've always wondered this. This is just like a, a personal question. Not that any of these aren't personal questions, but um, do you like for your suit that you wear? Do you have multiples of those? Do you have like a backup? Like what? Yeah, <laughs> I've always so, been curious. <laughs> yeah, I'll get. So basically, since these days are condensed, you know, pretty much like I'm probably not gonna need like an extra suit. And then also, all my suits have different sponsors on them. So depending on the weekend, so it's kind of hard. I'll have you know, this one suit for this sponsor. So I can't just like change out suits. So if I, I don't yeah. know, like build something on my suit, then it's like, okay, I'm just gonna have to deal with it. Cause I can't just rep a different sponsor for the day. Um, so I have a lot of different suits, but one for that race day. Um, and then, yeah, then I have like all that Nomex and fireproof stuff that has to go underneath and it's a lot. It's nice on a hot day <laughs> to wear all that stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. I've always wondered that because I think like for me, if anytime I have a show, I always have an extra outfit because I'm mm -hmm. like, God forbid I spill something. I don't want to be stuck with this big spaghetti stain or something on yeah. my shirt. Like I want to, I just need to swap it out. And I was curious. I mean, things happen. You, mm -hmm. you have to eat, you know, you never know. Somebody might spill something on, I don't know, like random things happen. Exactly. Um, but it's interesting that you mentioned that because you can't switch it out since you do have like, I guess it, an agreement with your sponsors of I'm going to wear this on this day and you are tied into that. So stain it's or no stain, you're rocking that suit. Yeah, I've just got to go roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is good to know. Um, I feel like I would really, that probably would be a struggle for me of knowing that pressure of like, I've got to be ready to wear this suit. But what about practice? You know, I, I can only imagine the amount of time that goes into it. As you mentioned, every track is different. The weather changes things. Um, you know, every car is different. So how do you train and, and what is kind of like your training routine in like a, we'll go a week now, um, of just kind of the types of things that you're doing each week to prepare. Yeah. So training for races can be difficult sometimes. Cause it's not like I can just go hop on over to Daytona every day and just go around and make a last around that track. Um, so it was kind of hard to prepare for races in the sense that, you have to just be ready to just take on whatever that track gives you that day. Um, but there's things that you could do to prepare. You know, I have a simulator at my place that I go on um, and it's crazy. Like it's actually pretty realistic. They scan the track. So if there's a bump in the track, you're going to feel it on the sim. So that's one thing that I love to use, especially going to these new tracks. Um, you just got to feel for the place before you're actually there. And then, you know, obviously once you're on there, there's like the variable of like speed and G forces that you don't get on the simulator, but you always get like a feel for the track and everything. Um, so I like to definitely use that. And then, you know, I have a trainer that I go to every day for, you know, physical training and cognitive training. Um, so that's one aspect that's really important too. Um, I know for people, like, they don't really realize how physically demanding racing is, but it's definitely, you know, it's really tough. It puts a lot of strain on your body and on your mind. So for me, when I'm with my trainer, 
you know, we'll work on the typical cardio and strength, but, you know, we'll also do heat training. So he'll have me do workouts in the sauna or have me go in the sauna and then go do some cardio. It's not fun at all, but it, you know, helps you prepare for these races because it gets really hot in the cars. And then on top of that, we'll do cognitive training and reaction training. So basically I have to be able to react fast and precisely while being fatigued, while being completely overheated because that's what you get hit with when you're in the race car. You have to be able to perform, you know, at your peak performance when you're tired and it's hot, you have to be able to perform precisely too. Um, plus with a bunch of people talking to you on the radio at the same time. So there's a lot going on. So we try to prepare as much as possible during the week for all those little things like that. Yeah. I, you know what? I did not even think about that. The reaction time that you have to have because <laughs> anything can happen. And, and, Look, I, I always say one of the best things that sports have taught me in my professional life now is the fact that you need to be ready to pivot at any moment. Mm -hmm. But in soccer, for example, versus like racing, um, there's a lot more at stake there in racing <laughs> of what could possibly go wrong of needing to be able to like on the fly, be calm, cool and collected and adjust mm -hmm. all in like a split second. So, you know, when you talk about the cognitive training, at first I'm thinking like more psychological, but no, it's more of just reaction times, being, mm -hmm. I guess, present and engaging and being able to on the fly make adjustments. And then the heat factor and the longevity of like an hour and a half race that you're sitting there, it, you know, of course you have stops, but with all these people talking to you and, the, and all these things going on, Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, you literally lose focus for a split second. And like, I don't even exaggerate when I say split second, you're going to go in the wall. Like you have to be completely focused at all times. So it's definitely insane. Definitely. You know, once I'm done with a race day, I'm just dead the next day. I'm like, <laughs> nobody to talk to me. I'm not doing anything. I need no people. I need no interaction. I need no yeah. heat. I need to just yeah. like, yeah, I know, like sleep. sleep. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I cannot imagine. Okay. So now I have a whole new respect because I am learning stuff too here that I had no idea. How hot is it get? And what is like a typical speed that you're going at? Cause I, I remember doing with drag racing. Um, and what's the faster, there's something that's a little bit faster than drag racing. I, maybe it is drag racing. Like the top fuel cars. Yeah. And they were going like a few hundred miles per hour in a split second, like zero to, and I'm like, what? Oh, like, bro, yeah. Yes. And I remember standing there, like right there with them taking off and you can feel the heat and you can feel the pressure yeah. from them going stationary to literally like 300 miles per hour. How fast are you going? And what is the typical temperature in your car? Just to give people a little bit more of an idea of what you're yeah. working with. Um, so depending on the size of the track, you know, it's going to change how fast you can go. Um, for Daytona, Talladega, you're going to go 185 miles per hour. And, you know, if it's a hot summer day, it can get up to like 115 degrees in the car. It's like crazy hot. Plus you're working, so you're already hot. Um, and then you just have this extra engine heat that you're just completely engulfed in. Um, so it's a lot, but you have to be able to put up with it and not think about it. Cause you know, when you are going 185 miles per hour, inches away from the wall, inches away from other cars, you have to be entirely focused and not, you know, crying about the heat, which is hard to do sometimes. <laughs> and not to mention the layers of fireproof and all this other gear that you're wearing. The fact that your car, like we have more space right now in this box that we're pictured in than, <laughs> than you do in your car. Like there's no, you're not, you don't have wiggle room and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So my, my last question before we wrap up here is what helps you stay focused? You know, I, as we, 
say in the literal sense, but the figurative sense too of like, it's so easy to lose focus in, in general when you're on your path, but literally as a race car driver, um, it's very easy to lose focus on your actual race path. But what helps you stay focused in your journey, whether it's on the track or just in general? What's something that you feel like has really helped you? Yeah, so I'll kind of answer this both ways. You know, off the track for me to stay focused is, you know, every morning I write down, I write down my goals for the day. Um, I have a journal. I write down, you know, what do I want to achieve today? What am I going to do today? Um, and just basically my goals for today, I feel like that just kind of keeps, you know, me on track and just has me, you know, I get to start my mind. I get to start my day with like a positive mind and a focused mind. So for me, that's the biggest thing is write down those goals, you know, get all that sorted out in the morning so I can just be super focused during the day. Um, and then on the track for me to stay focused, I just tell my team and my spotter talk to me all the time. Like, especially, you know, when you're on these big tracks, sometimes you do kind of get spaced out from other people or, you know, if you're just like drafting and you're behind somebody on these bigger tracks, there's not like a whole bunch going on sometimes. Um, so for me, it's like, okay, just keep talking to me. Um, just so I have like something in my ear and somebody pushing me. Um, so yeah, for me, I'm tell my team, you know, like coach me, be hard on me, but also kind of be my cheerleader a little bit during the race and just keep pushing me. So I stay focused and I stay after it. Yeah. And I'm sure on the track, even just having people, I know we jokingly say about how you have so many things going on, but I'm sure that actually does keep you alert and keep you just yes. kind of engaged and whether they're cheering for you or directing you, just having somebody in your ear. But then first of all, I am so team journaling. I love that. When you said that, like I got happy because mm -hmm. I'm like, that is me of like, I always tell people it's so valuable to be able to like take that time to be present, write things out, especially mm -hmm. when you have a million things going on in your day to day. To take time out of your day to just be present and be able to like sit in your thoughts so off yeah. the track i'm sure that is definitely helpful with all the the moving parts that you have going mm -hmm. on in your life and and you know i've just to calm and quiet the noise for yeah. a moment to be present um but as you mentioned this is just the beginning for you you definitely have a lot that you are achieving to continue to do of course as we mentioned being the first in, in a number of different areas, specifically the first Arab American woman to compete in a NASCAR series, being the winningest all time in, in your uh, United States auto club history. So let people know where they can continue to follow you and keep up with you as you continue to achieve more milestones and honors and a great accomplishments moving forward. Yeah, I'm big on social media, pretty much on every single platform. I feel like, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, um, TikTok, trailer, Facebook, YouTube. I think I'm pretty much on it all. If you type in my name to any social media platform, I'll probably pop up. Um, and yeah, just my name, Tony Breidinger, and you can pretty much find me pretty much anywhere. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tony, so much for taking time to join us here on Beyond the Headlines. It really has been a pleasure having you on and having the chance to connect with you. Again, I definitely learned something, but between your positivity, your accomplishments, and just the way that you've been trailblazing and pioneering as a woman in sports, the talented driver and racer, it's, it's an honor to have had you here on the show. So thank you so thank much. You. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington, with me, your host, Renee. As always, you can su subscribe across all social media platforms to keep up with us on social media, podcast platforms. And yes, we are live 
bringing you content across digital spaces as well. So for myself, Renee, for our guest, Tony Breidinger, thank you. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Continue to pursue good things and be yourself, as Tony said. Continue to be yourself on your path to excellence and not get distracted. Have a good one, and we'll see you for more next time here on Beyond the Headlines. Only on Beyond the Headlines, this is Beyond the Headlines. <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines, this